Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Seasoned broadcasters Glenn Lama and Sam Ackerman are our panel this morning here on SENZ. Gentlemen who both like uh, all sorts of uh, sport, but in particular Sam Ackerman, you just absolutely love rugby league. We know that. You're in a little bit of a a lull at the moment, though news continues to filter through uh, on the NRL, basically. So not such a bad week this week. There's been no drug convictions or... Arrest or anything, <laughs> but it's only Tuesday, isn't it? Uh, I'm about to say it. We've made it to Tuesday, which maybe it's great. <laughs> <laughs> we made it, to, yeah. Uh, but we do know now, though, uh, the next team lining up is going to come out of Redcliffe by the sounds of things. Yeah, it's a sensible decision. They've got um, guaranteed infrastructure. They find themselves, you know, geographically a great uh, mix between uh, where the Titans and the Broncos are. Um, they're established team. The, the Warriors, which have um, quite close ties with them at the moment, they play their um, uh, their reserve grade players, if you like, play out of the uh, the Dolphins team in the uh, in the Queensland uh, competition. So uh, they are a team that's been well placed for a while, uh, and it strikes me as the the simplest decision to make of the uh, these other teams. They will keep being called the Dolphins, um, but they won't be called Redcliffe. They'll change the name to something like. Um, to Sunshine State or or something Central Queensland, some, some kind of different phrase to it to make it sound a bit more grandiose. But uh, that makes sense as a short answer, um, Smithy. And uh, the great thing is when they get their, their team announced, they've got deep pockets already, already one of the richest clubs uh, as soon as they enter the uh, the competition. Uh, and uh, Wayne Bennett apparently will be uh, the first name that they put to paper there and they can chase free agents um, for the 2023 season from the 1st of November. So it'll be a cat amongst the pigeons. Um, I've always been concerned when the NRL expands whether there will be that correct depth because you don't want to see an expansion team come in and get their backsides handed to them for years on end because I don't know if the NRL is strong enough to carry legitimately weak teams without history or structure um, so but I, I think the depth is there I think they'll sign well I think there'll be enough people uh, who will want to be based out of Queensland uh, in the near future having uh, gone through uh, a lot of, lot of time in Queensland and uh, in bubbles if you like for the NRL team so I think it's a great um, decision to make if they are going to expand but I, I'm just always uneasy about a uh, an uneven number of teams it sounds funny daddy I know but to have 17 teams just feels awkward to me a lot of buys um, and things like that I find it loses a bit of momentum but you know, that's how it happens they are expanding it's going to happen so it might as well be a team that can be strong and be competitive uh, You see it working Glenn at this point? 
Yeah, I think it's a step towards the 18th team coming in, actually. I mean, that's when you'll see the NRL be able to generate even more income through television mm. rights when they can actually have an extra game a weekend. At the moment, with 17 teams, they don't get that extra game per weekend when this new team will come in. So I think this is a stepping stone to another team coming in maybe in the next three to four years, maybe 2025, somewhere around there, where that team will be based, who will know. Uh, but I think Sam's covered off everything there really well, Ian. It's just a, um, I don't think, I, I agree with him. I think the depth is there at the moment. The Red Cliff Dolphins is well funded. Um, you know, when the, when the player agent or when the players become available for negotiation from November the 1st, that's going to be really interesting. You know, and that's only a couple of weeks away because then um, Redcliffe can start signing players or start talking to players from then. And uh, other clubs might have already lined up some players. Those players might be holding off signing contracts now, knowing that the Dolphins are going to be a, a player coming in in a few weeks' time. So that's going to add a real momentum to the off-season as to who the Dolphins will be able to sign. And, of course, the NRL dream next year with the Warriors being based at the venue. So they'll be able to fine-tune anything or iron out any problems that might materialise or emerge next season and make sure that it's all set to go from 2023. So it's actually, um, it, it looks to be, uh, the foundation looks to be really good for this one. Um, and um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to see what emerges and who they sign over the next few weeks. Well, that's the key, Sam, isn't it? I mean, once you've, uh, say you get your Bennett, say you, you know, you, you get your guy who's going to be uh, the driving force either up front or behind the playing side of it, who do you sign? Who's available to sign? What kind of player would be your initial signing, Sam? Uh, I would definitely go targeting um, the, the people who can be your marquee players. Signing veterans is, is crucial. Um, I think the, everyone's going to follow, or should for, forever and a day, follow the Melbourne Storm uh, model of signing some uh, some established players, guys who've been there, done that. They signed the, uh, the likes of the Coonies, the uh, Glenn Lazaruses, the Robbie Coons. Uh, now, they, they're key players, but it's getting that next generation of, of young stars coming through, those guys who are we know are talented but not getting the right opportunity at their clubs. It's that mix that'll be absolutely massive. Um, I, I, the first kind of name that comes to mind if I was uh, a franchise starting new, I'd go for a, a Ryan Pappenhausen type of player, uh, a guy who can yeah. really start to build a team around who's good now but could be great down the line. Has also um, got the potential to want to um, you know, be that kind of headline player for a club because he's going to be hiding behind the likes of Munster and um, and that. So I think they'll do that. Cody Walker uh, is a player who's apparently already been lined up um, by Wayne Bennett if uh, he's going to be the coach of the team and we saw what he could do through the final season uh, series and uh, a great season. Even though he's a little bit more experienced, uh, he didn't start playing in the NRL for quite a late age, so uh, he'll go great. But I would definitely target some of those uh, younger rising uh, crop of talent coming through to really better build a team around uh, guys who don't have a history of stuffing up like Kim, uh, off the field like Cameron Munster uh, and guys who can um, just bring a bit of excitement to the region. And they will target Queenslanders to start with just to uh, build that build that brand and uh, have something to all, all automatically tie new fans to them. Sam Ackerman and Glenn Lama are our panellists this morning. We're going to take a short break uh, for the news with Trudy. And when we come back, uh, Glenn, I'm going to ask you in particular, Moana Pacifica are starting to to roll out a few names and venues and things like that. I, I just wonder, uh, is it quick enough? Uh, how, how far behind the pace are they if they're just giving us these players and coaches and venues sort of one at a time per week? How far down the line are they, do you think? Uh, that's coming up shortly. In the meantime, it's a news update.
Talk big opinions. The panel. Sam Ackerman and Glenn Lama are our panelists this morning. And Glenn, I touched on it before the break. There, um, Moana Pacifica. It's it's a slow rollout, isn't it? We know it's going to happen, but uh, we've had the venue, we've had the head coach. And now we've had the first major signing in uh, Christian Leliafano. Uh, but what about the rest? I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> you know, that's a really good question, Ian. I can't answer that. Um, you know, when they announced these expansion teams into Super Rugby, the Fijian team and this team here, I ho- I just, when I watched that article on the news that night, I just hoped they weren't going to get pumped next year because... Uh, things haven't been good for Pacific Island Rugby for a long time. We love the romantic idea of trying to help them out. We enjoy watching them play. But if you look at the brutal, harsh reality of the results that they've returned, all the Pacific Island nations over the last several years now, it's not pretty reading. So I fear that um, I, I, my biggest fear for Moana Pacifica is being competitive next season, particularly when most, if not all, of the players in New Zealand have been signed up uh, already. Um, all of the uh, all the young talent coming through the New Zealand system has been identified and signed up by all the New Zealand teams. What does that leave Moana Pacifica with? Not much. It leaves them with players like Leo Lefano, with all due respect to him, he's probably at the back end of his career now, and it looks uh, and it looks like Moana Pacifica could be left with Pacific Island players. They want to keep that Pacific Island um, flair in their team, which I, I get. But, you know, when you're filling the rest of your team with pretty much club players or NPC players from New Zealand, hopefully trying to attract some talent from overseas who are probably going to have to give up more income that they could earn in England or France to come back and play for this team. You know, I do, I do fear um, whether this team is going to be competitive next season. I really do. Sam, is it just me or are they, are they keeping their powder dry for a little bit too long for you? No, the, the, power, the powder has gone off, Smitty. It's not going to bang if you leave it too long. Uh, the, the problem is uh, exactly what Glenn says, is there's the, the opportunity to uh, make a first impression. You get one opportunity, and uh, I, I have concerns as well about the expansion of this. How many successful expansion teams have we seen in Super Rugby in the past You know, five, six, seven, eight years? It's, it hasn't been pretty uh, watching for a long time, and we celebrate rare wins for teams like the Sunwolves like it was a... Uh, you know, some kind of miracle along the way. That that hasn't been great for the competition, and it's played a big part in where uh, the 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 criticism has been leveled towards the competition. We've just talked about um, before the break about how the NRL are bringing in another team in over a year's time. They had they're going to have a chance to sign players and build their team with a coach for over a year before they run. And I think that, that to me is not just uh, a smart move. It's 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 the only move. How, how can you get a, a team, a franchise built from scratch within a matter of weeks and months when, as Glenn pointed out, these guys have been signing uh, all the other um, franchises rather than signing up all the best players and even the reserve players for a long time uh, to come. Unless there's some kind of allotment where uh, some players have to be made available, um, I can't see them being the competitive team we hope they are. I hope I'm wrong and I hope that uh, we'll see a, a team brought together that uh, has so much to play for, so much passion uh, and they get to pull it off. But it's certainly not going to be filled of the, the top draw players uh, that you'd hope mm-hmm. a team like, and with a name like that should be able to achieve. Can I just uh, add one I mean, other point to that, Smithy, before we just move on? Um, sure. I, I, uh, the, the, uh, money is a big issue on this one. The NRL just announced last week, for example, they made $50 million profit this season or a $50 million surplus. Mm. 
Now, with all due respect to New Zealand rugby, they are nowhere near making that sort of money at the moment. There's just not the money or the revenue to be able to be generated from the sport in New Zealand that can enable them to successfully fund a new team into Super Rugby or two new teams, it is, at the moment. And I think that is also a big problem in, um, with, with this expansion in Super Rugby. Two words, Glenn, um, which have muted for quite some time now, but uh, might just be uh, a flame rekindling. Two words, Silver Lake. Does that bring spring anything to mind? <laughs> well, that trail's gone cold too, I think, hasn't it? In fact, it's not gone cold, <laughs> it's gone icy. And I don't think the ice is thawing anytime soon, mate. So um, who knows where that is? Um, and it, um, you know, hopefully, well, I don't know if anything will be resolved from that one, mate. So, yeah, look, I think we just park that one big time. Okay, you've just come back from the Olympic Games. Let's uh, focus uh, our next one is the Commonwealth Games. And news coming through this morning that the number of consp- compulsory sports that Commonwealth Games hosts, that's the nation hosting it, will have to stage in the future, is set to be cut from 16, 16 to 2. I mean, that's drastic. And what does that say about those peripheral sports that we've tended to rely on over the years? Well, yeah, it's a, this is a really interesting decision. It's quite radical, isn't it? I would have um, expected maybe if they were going to adopt a model like this, they might have kept more than two um, core sports, swimming and athletics. You know, they might have looked for some others in there that might have been you know, uh, a nice Commonwealth sports like, um, I don't know, Rugby Sevens, hockey is, is quite well paid in the Commonwealth as well, netball obviously, but um, yeah, it's going to be, uh, what the what they're doing, aren't they, is trying to hand the agenda really over to a host city and say, look, if you want the Commonwealth Games, you can basically pick the sports that you want to have in your Commonwealth Games, and maybe this is the, the way of the future to, to continue the survival of this of this game. I think at the moment, Smithy, what, the, what the, the red flag has been thrown out there this morning is that the Commonwealth Games Federation is worried that their event is not sustainable in the long term. There is not the interest from host cities uh, to host the event going forward past the, the next ones um, in 2022, which, which next year, isn't it, Birmingham? So I think they've, they've, they've really fought, maybe fighting for survival here. Uh, really radical, um, but a new model needs to be implemented to get, guarantee the survival of the, of the games. I think that's what's at play here. Sam? Yeah, I, I think that the Commonwealth Games is, is uh, drowning a little bit and it's, uh, it's trying to quickly drag its body to the island of, of relevancy and being somewhere that people that actually uh, can think about and talk about and get excited about. Because the Commonwealth Games is unfortunately something that gets panned for the best part of four years, and then we get excited for a short period of time while it happens because you know, there's, we see a great result like the, uh, the last uh, games, I think we were about 45, 46 medals all up, uh, and it's, we you know, always take pride in seeing New Zealanders perform. But the reason they're making this shake-up is because they don't have enough cities uh, wanting to take on this traditional format. Now, my initial reaction to this was, well, you know, they've got to protect the legacy of, of some of these sports and what it stands for, but, but then I think about it, it, it's not a legacy that's relevant anymore. People, people don't talk about the Commonwealth Games in revered um, ways, so what are they going to do to make it uh, interesting? So, for example... I think that this is wonderful for New Zealand if we can get a bit across the line. I mean, we can, as a sport, for example, we can do manus off the wharf. Um, I think that we're guaranteed to get a sweep of the medals. Um, we can uh, look at gumboot throwing. I mean, this is this is the kind of ludicrous <laughs> stuff you're going to see. 
countries are going to come up with ideas that completely suit uh, their region. And what does it mean for New Zealanders? So we sit there and wait, and we see that Kabaddi is being uh, involved uh, as a sport now. Great in a wider sense in getting the host region interested, but it's not a sport that is really played deeply at a very high level outside of India. There are competitions here in New Zealand and around the world, of course, but they they aren't exactly ready to go jumping into that top tier, that top level. So I also think it's really concerning for a lot of our sports um, that have that as a pinnacle of events. I'm really, you know, you think about the the squash stars that we have in this world and uh, it's obviously a major Mm. event for uh, netball and that. Well, that won't stay um, along those lines, will it? So I think we'll see a lot of those sports that are currently outside of the two ring fence. You'll see a lot of those things like boxing, stay through uh, a great majority of them, I'd imagine, but then there'll be others that fall in and out um, in a big way. This is going to have a huge impact on uh, how high-performance sport New Zealand um, funds uh, athletes here as well, as well as around the world. So I'm, it's going to have massive um, ramifications. I think that they've gone really far one end, and to me that suggests that uh, they really are struggling to get uh, host nations across the line. So um, if, they, if it's what's needed to do to keep the Commonwealth Games going, I understand why they've done it. I think it's going to be um, it's going to have some great moments uh, and some ludicrous stuff too. Sam Ackerman, Glenn Lama have been our panellists this morning. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your input. Um, love the passion about the league as well and uh, the concern for the Commonwealth Games, and I think it's quite valid because it might be a sign of things to come, but I do love that concept of gumboot throwing. Uh, perhaps they could take that to Ty Happy, of course, the home of it. Uh, how about oyster shucking down in Bluff as well? I think they're two very valid events, which I'd be very, very keen to commentate on.